Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Everybody, welcome. You know, in the spirit of what we're getting ready to launch, and and yes, we have heard everybody out there, we are launching an entire channel called Street Smart COVID-19. And it's going to have information that you're not going to find on major television networks. But more importantly, it's a how-to channel. Today, that's why Sarah Evans joining us here today, a consumer and social media tech expert, is helping us understand what it really means working from home, bandwidth etiquette 101. And I got to tell you firsthand, Sarah, about this is I had a couple people uh, work from home only to find out five megabits megabits per second was just not going to cut it. You you feel me on this? I feel that in a very major way. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those things that we don't think about before we send people home, right? We we don't stop and say, hey, we're sending you home. And we ask them this, do you have internet? And everybody says, of course. <laughs> but it stops right, right but they there. They don't know bandwidth hasn't been a key phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today your message is very important. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions first out of the gate. Look, founder of Seven Strategy, digital strategist, global brand, all of the things you've done. There are so many things we don't know about this situation. Can I just jump to this question? What is your top? I want to know your top three. These are short interviews. I got to get right at Sarah Evans. Uh, Absolutely. Number one is that you need to know what bandwidth is in your home. If we're going to be home longer than expected, that means how much you can do at any given time with all the devices. The the first major thing is have a a hold on what your bandwidth is. How many internet-connected devices you have in your home would be number two. And number three, knowing to call your internet service provider to make sure you have the best plan that meets your needs based on the amount of bandwidth that you use. Now, people don't know this because generally at home, you don't, you people don't think about this very much unless you're, okay, so unless you're like me and I do a lot of video editing and a lot of things from home because I have my home studio, you know, I have a sufficient bandwidth. It's really big, but people don't even know what to know. Can you give us some information? Um, And then the other thing is not every call needs to be a video call, and we don't even know that. Uh, You already have a great point. And number one is that the network is working. So outside of our homes, internet service providers like Cox Communications have been investing in the network for years. They build capacity to handle this peak traffic. What matters is what we're doing with it inside our homes. As you said, not every conference call needs to be a video call. I know it's exciting. Zoom, Google Meet, Google Hangout, even my parents are into it. Um, Streaming movies online slows things down. So you can download them ahead of time on the device you're going to watch them on. 
save other big downloads like gaming updates for non-peak times or overnight. Downgrade the quality of home monitoring videos like pet cams. Those are things you were using when you were outside the home. Well, you're home now, so you can actually downgrade those. You can check for viruses and malware at the end of every night. We are wiping down our devices and doing those checks as a family at the end of the night and restarting our devices to make sure everything's running at capacity. Just a few things you can do. I've got to ask you the uh, age-old question, and people tell me I'm a little bit old school, but I've ran, I've, I'm a statistician as well. I'm a researcher. And so one of the things I did is I tested the speed of my computer on Wi-Fi with no other devices here on Wi-Fi. And then my laptop mm-hmm. see, has a, yep, get that cable, plug it directly in. Do people even realize that there is a loss on Wi-Fi versus hardwire? I don't think that the majority of people know that. I mean, one of the things I've been remote for 10 and a half years and before (laughs) major meetings and, uh, you know, for over the past several years, people will say, Hey, why don't you have a hardwired connection for this call or for, you know, uh, project X. Um, and then you'll educate someone based almost on a project by project basis. But I don't think that the general consumer knows that. And that's something your internet service provider can talk you through. In fact, I'm a Cox panoramic Wi-Fi customer and they came and did a walkthrough of my house pre social distancing and went to look for dead zones in my house and places where we could add some boosters to do things and talk about opportunities to have multiple hardwired connections in the home. Obviously, I have an office as well where we have hardwired connections set up there too. But I think that's something that the ISPs can really educate consumers about. Oh, no kidding. And the other thing I discovered, and maybe you can talk to this, I don't know how old school this is, but boosters, that's a term people should learn. If you don't know what a booster is, at least now you know after this call to ask about them. But there is also now a way to boost outside. And a lot of companies, what they're doing is they're saying, no, I'm not coming in your house, but I can do that, 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 that. The other thing I wanted to ask you about in, in this show, uh, this interview today is putting the fact aside that you might be a gamer, right? Uh, I have a, happen to have a gaming machine, but putting that aside, there's this question that people don't know, and it's this one. Maybe, Sarah, you can help. I want to upgrade the speed of my internet. What do I have to do? Now, that may seem like a very simple question, but it's baffling for a lot of people. What can we say about upgrading? Well, I, I would say um, it's baffling for a lot of pe- people because they'll just say, well, my internet isn't working. And they don't necessarily need to know the difference between the network and their home bandwidth. Yeah. But it usually means yeah. you're using a lot internally, so it's slowing down. That, for me, is a red flag and a key time to call my internet service provider, like Cox Communications. They can actually look at your bandwidth usage, look at what you're doing. We are actually gigablast, gigabit internet customers here because I know we use a lot of internet, and I just... I can't have that lag time simply because of the work that we do. But once you call, they can walk you through it. So you don't have to be knowledgeable on your own. You just have to know to call or reach out. And this is we're talking about etiquette 101. And what that means is in every family, in every situation now working from home, there are things we don't know. We already talked about one of them. And that is a fact. I was on a very early call this morning at 7 a.m., And I did not have my video on. I decided I'm just not going to do that. I don't need to have people see me at 7 a.m. in the morning to begin with. But we don't have to have that on. 
Uh, you already talked about the fact, wait a minute, streaming movies online, maybe downloading them, something else. Um, and now let's talk about the last thing, because gaming is a big thing. Like I said, I have a, a gaming machine right in front of me. Um, and so the question is, what is the etiquette around gaming? Because that is a tough one. It really is. And this comes down to that home bandwidth etiquette where perhaps you assign hours for gaming. If everybody's going to be vying for bandwidth and you realize that it's impacting the quality of your ability to get work done, then you have to assign uh, you know, hours around that. In our household, we are tr doing some semblance of a schedule where there is work and school time, cleaning time, chore time, relaxing time, reading time, and then some gaming time. And that gaming time is coming during the off-peak hours. So we're not competing. Um, if you have older kids and, you know, the schedule isn't as important to them, then sitting down as a family and talking about who needs what. Work is obviously essential, so you can start to divide things out that way. But you do have to realize that gaming is a large part of your your bandwidth well we have a scenario now right sarah and uh i know we're we're going to run in a minute but i, I th we're we're in a situation that we've never been in before but i will tell you i think that the lessons we're learning from this it's going to change the landscape of the way we educate and i think we're we're going to see a lot of the online education as a matter of fact we are partnering with an online education service to change the landscape of how we're doing our live video streaming but i want to ask you this how important is it to make sure your children have adequate bandwidth as they are now home learning from home it is extremely important and even as someone who works and lives in this space i didn't realize how big a change it would be even my three-year-old is doing remote learning with her school i am lucky and fortunate that each of my kids can have their own device now we actually had to change some things around to make sure everyone has a device because a lot of this learning is happening at the same time for those who may be students who are in low income um areas cox communications and other internet service providers are providing free internet service to them through mm -hmm. something called connect to compete so obviously companies are are uh, realizing how important this is wow. schools realize how important it is wow how do people find out more about this and you know thanks to i gotta tell you thanks to cox for doing this i work with cox when, when our one of our syndications was up in rhode island and the level of dependability to run an entire radio station up in rhode island using Cox was just awesome. I mean, it, it is a whole new world for them to be saying, look, we've got something to offer. And by the way, I have not heard of other, I'm not mentioning names, but I have not heard of other folks doing this. So how do people find out about this? You can go to Cox.com. That's really the best place to go okay. to find out everything that they're doing um, at, at, in one centralized place. Wow. Wow. I mean, Last question. Uh, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for all that you're doing. I mean, this is a this is a field that you've been in for a long time. You know, my first show 16 years ago was an internet show in 2003. Now everybody wanted to have me committed, but today I'm called a pioneer in digital media formats. And you know, I don't even know what that means. I have a degree in psychology, so I don't know what that means. But I want to ask you this. <laughs> I know it's funny, right? Who knew? Um, what do we want to leave people with? You, there's so much here to really get through, but there's a powerful message here. 
what do we want to leave people with, Sarah? What do we want them to do, the action to take today? Number one, um, I think the most important is being there for one another and ensuring everyone has access to internet and can stay connected. Number two is looking at your own internet usage in your home and your bandwidth. What what internet connected devices are using a, a lot of bandwidth and how can you ensure everyone has um, equal access within your home? And, and number two, making sure you have the best mm-hmm. plan for you and your family. And that can be done as simple as calling your internet service provider. Yeah. And everybody go to cox.com. That's cox.com. Check it out. See what they're doing. Sarah, thank you for this today. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, a short break. Please, please, please call your internet provider. Don't become a victim of slow bandwidth. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about? Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator, Dr. Monica, each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to TransformationRadio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Your inspiration all day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. As a matter of fact, this is an inspirational segment. Let me tell you why. In 19, I think it was 87, I managed a group of people in the phone company in New Jersey. And our challenge was to convince people that recycling was the way to go. And that program that we launched from the phone company became a statewide program. But how did we do it? I'll tell you what we did. We created a character called the Purple Paper Eater. And believe it or not, that character became the inspiration for literally what you can do to help us here on Earth. Now, today, fast forward to where we are. Where are we? You know, where are in a world that many years later, where we still need to, uh, what do I want to say? You got to be in it to win it. And we have got to win this game. That's why Jeremy Walters joining us here today is going to tell us about that as the sustainability ambassador. Jeremy, kicking it off. You would think that this many years later, we got this down. <laughs> yeah, one would uh, one would think, but uh, we we've got some improving to do. That's for sure. 
I think for people, and I want to go back to 1987. I mean, I got to tell you, uh, when we when I did this as a graphics manager, and that was my that was the job I had to take in order to be promoted to uh, senior management. And when we came out of the gate to try to promote and and help employees take whatever they were and put it in this container, it felt like a daunting experiment. But we did make it fun. Fast forward to where we are today. I'm still having conversation with people that don't know whether they should put the tops of their bottles in recycle or not. I want to ask you, this is your living, breathing calling. Tell me about where we are with this and how we move forward to reuse and recycle. Because this is, I think, the next generation of health. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting topic for sure because, you know, I think generally people want to do the right thing, but there's just some overarching confusion on how to do the right thing. And so that's where our topic today is focused around what we call aspirational recyclers yeah. or wish cyclers, whichever yep. you wish to call them. Yep. And, you know, people have the internal struggle that when they go to the recycling can, they may be holding something and they're unsure if it belongs in the recycle bin or not. And they ultimately will decide, you know what, I'm not sure, but the recycling company is. And they'll toss it in the bin thinking that it's just as simple as we'll figure it out and we know where to send this stuff. But yeah. there's bigger implications that come along with placing the wrong thing in the bin. And again, it's well-intentioned. People want to recycle. They want to recycle as much as they can. But Throwing the wrong thing in the bin will create a unique set of challenges downstream at the recycling center. So it's very important we get educated on what does go in the recycling bin and how it actually goes in the recycling bin. Yeah. I mean, I went to your website, and let's just make sure folks have the website. Um, I've got uh, RecyclingSimplified.com. Is that correct? That is. And that website is designed for any listener out there, whether they're listening in Seattle or they're visiting from right. somewhere else. The tips and tricks on here are designed to be the fundamentals of recycling, no matter where you live in the country. I got to tell you, one of the things I loved on here was the video. And I'm, I'm going to pick something that I, I think is, for me, was an aha moment. And let me just talk about it. Uh, and then I want you to jump in and give us all some tips. So here's what I noticed. I mean, one day, Linda came over from New Jersey, my best friend now for like a long time, and I was taking my recycle items, and I was putting them in a paper bag, and then I was like taking the paper, and Linda says, why are you doing that? Skip the paper bag, just put your stuff like right in the recycle, just like dump it in there, and I saw that on the website. Now, that may seem a little benign to you maybe because you're so involved in this but that little tip right there i did the calculation on how many bags paper bags or other bags people would save if they just did that one thing i mean isn't that an interesting awakening and i consider myself to be like a little bit more aware yeah, and, you know, that topic is actually twofold because, A, from the overarching sustainability impact, there's no reason to use that bag, so save it. Me, personally, I have a wicker basket that I keep in the bottom of my pantry. I load it up with my recyclables. When it's full, 
I then take it and dump everything loose into my big recycling bin that I placed out on my curb. Right. So that's it. That's what I do. Yeah. Right. And keeping things loose in the recycling bin is very important because at recycling centers, what we do is we sort through individual items. We don't really have the capacity to try to tear bags open. Um, you know, paper bags by themselves are recyclable, but more often than not, when we see that people bag recyclables, they're bagging them in a plastic trash bag. And A, we can't see through it, so we don't know what's in there. B, just the sheer volume of recyclables that we're processing through. We don't have the time, just the general capacity to try to pull these apart. And the bags themselves, the plastic ones, can actually wrap and tangle around the sorting equipment at the recycling center. So it is very important that when you go to recycle your items, they're all loose inside your curbside bin. Well, look, you are out in the forefront of this. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. One, this idea of an aspirational recycler, like who is that person? That's the person that they're just hopeful that when they're unsure that we'll figure it out. You know, there's a there's a lot of things surrounding us wherever we may be sitting at this moment. For me, I'm looking at a cell phone, a laptop, you know, a picture frame. And in theory, just about everything in this world can be recycled. But the difference matters in can it be recycled curbside? And people don't necessarily understand that curbside recycling is different than maybe my cell phone, right? I can recycle my cell phone, but it has to go through a designated electronics recycling program. It's a completely separate collection of the cell phone or electronic devices, and it's a completely different process to dismantle all the different components of my cell phone to recycle it. And the problem that that creates is that when people have that disconnect, they think, you know what, there's lots of valuable things inside my cell phone. There's some metals and some plastic, so it can be recycled. When they throw that cell phone in their curbside recycling bin, the potential for recycling center fires is just astronomical. This day and age, the, uh, uh, the, how rapid technology is changing and how frequently people are getting the latest and greatest version of their cell phone or their laptop, the, cons- the consumption is at an all-time high. And we're seeing more frequently that these cell phones and other electronics come to the recycling center uh, hidden in a recycling bin. And through our processes, if this cell phone cracks open or gets smashed, that that lithium battery inside has such a potential for energy that it has to go somewhere. And these lithium batteries, when they get the oxygen to them, they ignite and cause huge fires at the recycling center. And, you know, look at, uh, let me just... Let me just go back for a few years. You know, I mentioned I work for the telephone company, so I just want to be really clear. Everybody knows the old school telephone company back in the day. It was Ma Bell. Well, that company has reinvented itself a hundred times over. But the one thing that that company was out in the forefront with and is exactly in the throes of what you're talking about are batteries. I mean, people don't realize the magnitude of battery operation and lithium batteries in particular that everyday people use, everyday people. And I think you're, so what's what's the solution for that? Because that's like a big thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, lithium batteries are all around us. They could potentially be in remotes. They can be in your rechargeable toothbrush. They're everywhere. And these things need to go through designated 
electronics recycling programs. We have options through Republic Services, but there are many options out there for you to mail back um, electronic items and batteries. They have to stay out of your regular trash and your regular recycling just through the, the, the standard collection of your materials from the curb. They can even cause fires in the back of the recycling or trash trucks. These trucks have compactors in the back so they can fit a large amount of material. And if they squeeze that battery too tight, boom, you've got a fire. So in, in the world you live in and some of the things that we want to share today for people, clearly awareness gets us so far, but it really doesn't get us to the finish line. Um, you know, what would you say to folks? to help them change and get better at their recycling habits. What are some of the tips? The tips, I would say, keep it simple. You know, I'll give you three tips that are very easy to remember, and they sort of have some key phrases that you can kind of remind yourself as you're going through your day. And number one is know what to throw. Keeping it simple, uh, your recycling stream should be nothing more than the cardboard, the paper, the metal cans, plastic bottles and jugs, and then if your community takes it, glass bottles and jars. That's it. If it's not part of that category, it can't go in your curbside bin. So number one is know what to throw. Number two, uh, it's very important that we practice what we call empty, clean, dry. So if you've got those metal cans or the plastic bottles and jugs, you actually do need to rinse them out. You know, we use the example of a tomato soup can. If you don't rinse the residual tomato soup out and you just haphazardly throw it in your recycling bin, as it gets jumbled around and that tomato soup spills onto the paper or the cardboard, that stuff is fragile. The paper and cardboard is now trash. It's been soiled and we have to throw it away. It's just a simple effort. Just, you know, squirt a little water in the can, squirrel it around and tap it dry. And then last but certainly not least is something we talked about initially, and that's don't bag it. Keep everything nice and loose in your recycling bin. So to recap those, it's know what to throw, empty, clean, dry, and keep it loose. Um, I want to thank you for today. Would you mind giving us your uh, website again, please, for people? Because there's lots of information there. Yeah, it's RecyclingSimplified.com. And take a look on there. If there's any educators out there listening, click on the Educators tab, and you'll see that we have nationally approved K-12 through curriculum. You can go on there. You can download lesson plans completely free of charge as well. Jeremy, one last question. What's your personal message? What would you personally like to leave us with today? You know, I would say it's not how much you recycle. It's how well you recycle that matters most. Mm -hmm. one, of the, uh, one of the scariest things that people tell me is I recycle everything. And if you're recycling everything, you're not necessarily doing the most sustainable thing because some things are better for reuse than recycle altogether. Wow. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, hey, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Your favorite Transformation Talk radio shows are now on Spotify. What? Simply search out your favorite host or show by name, tap the subscribe button, and boom. 
with over 150 million active monthly users on Spotify, Transformation Talk Radio is thrilled to expand our reach so you never have to miss an episode. Well, what the heck are you waiting for? Log into Spotify and subscribe now. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. Yep. Sherry Baxin joining me here today. And here's what I want to say about this. Um, We're getting ready to talk about IBM and what IBM is doing and what some of the partnerships are that we're looking at and looking towards. And here's what we said the other day when we mentioned to all of you that we are partnering with multiple channels. We're partnering uh, with AM, FM stations across the globe to bring an entire channel dedicated to information, uplifting and inspiring messages about COVID-19. And one of the things I want to say to everybody that is listening is I am blown away by what we are going to talk about now. Because step into the world of information at its best. Sherry, wow. Tell me a little bit about this. You, there are things that people could be doing, but this kind of data for people I think it is so important because knowledge is really power. Tell us about the backdrop for this and why this was important for you to create. Well, you know, Dr. Pat, as the Weather Channel, the weather company, we've been keeping people safe from severe weather for about 30 years. So we felt it was a natural pivot now that we're part of IBM to provide this information down to a local level. Because we all know that really... People want to know what's happening around them first, right? What's happening in my community? Um, And then what's happening in the communities where my loved ones or my friends live? And so we were able to use AI, IBM's AI Watson, Mm -hmm. to source this information from all the county and state sites. And that's really a Herculean effort because all of that data is very fragmented. It's in different formats. And so using AI, we were able to pull all of that in and then pull out that pertinent information that we can provide to um, our customers and users and everyone on our website and in our Weather Channel app. Yeah, what I love about this, and tell me if I'm, I'm uh, on track. First of all, I want to stop for a minute and give everybody the website. Because I think that if we don't repeat this a couple of times during the interview, I'm afraid that we're going to miss it. So let's let's just make sure. What we're talking about is an app that will give people information, and we're going to break it down for them in a, in a minute. But what is the website? Where do people go to take a look at this for themselves? So you can directly go to weather.com slash coronavirus, yeah. or you can just go to weather.com, and in the navigation, you'll see a big red button that says COVID-19. You can click on that, and it'll take you to your county-level information. Thank you. Now, I know you're doing a, a ton of these interviews to get the word out. So first of all, I commend you because information and the folks that are bringing information forward, it, they're equally important. People are living in fear because they don't know what they don't know. And I wanted to ask you about that because it's not just an app. It's also a way for people to stay up to date So maybe some way you guys can really break through a little of that fear, right? Absolutely. This site is not meant to scare anybody. It's 
meant to inform people so they can make the right decisions for their family. And so, you know, this is such uncertain times. And so it's really important to find trusted information, um, you know, to help you. So we've aggregated all of that trusted information at a county level, a state level, the latest uh, news stories on the virus, both not only nationally, but globally. So people really have one source that they can go to to get all of this information, and it's being updated multiple times a day, and we will continue to add more data as it becomes available. Okay, so here's the thing that why I think this is so important. Can I can I use my state as an example and what I discovered this morning that I absolutely. absolutely didn't know? This is why I think this is important. I'm in Washington state and and I don't know if you're aware of this, but we are just not getting the kind of coverage, right? People are like, "Oh yeah, they were the first. They're probably doing okay." So a lot of the focus has been on New York and now on Florida and other places that are just sort of entering this mode that we've been in for like months, right? So we thought we were like on a plateau. And I heard the other day that there was another outbreak up in northern part of the state. So when I went to check, aha, I got information for the state, right? that said, wait a minute, you're right, Pat, you guys were plateaued. But when I look at this, we went on April, from April 1st, are you ready? April 1st, hovering around 5K, right? Boom, all the way up over six. So, you know, for me, what this is saying is, yes, it is information, it is knowledge, you can find out how things are going. But it's also important, especially in a state like mine, where people think those folks are over it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I guess not, right, Jerry? <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. You you had a nice little plateau going for about three days, but then yesterday yeah. uh, the reports you know, on confirmed cases um, and actually on the deaths as well went up yeah. pretty dramatically. Yeah. So definitely, you know, maintaining that social distancing um, and, and doing all of those things, you know, we're not out of this yet. It's, it, you know, you, we probably will see the trends go up and down uh, until there's, we really get a handle on it. Uh, I want to ask you this. This is what I'm seeing today. And folks are going to look at this today, but knowing what I know about you all, knowing what I know about IBM and my life, my experience with IBM, I don't even want to tell you how far back this goes. It's going to be kind of like funny, but this goes so far back to when the phone company hired IBM, brought in and converted everything they did manually to old school punch cards. Don't don't even ask me what year that was. okay? but (laughs) I, I was very young at the time, I will say, but it was a breakthrough and how the phone company managed records. So here you are today, IBM, the Weather Channel. And how can we not expect innovative AI and beyond? I want to ask you, where does this go from here? And then I want to break down a little bit of what you're presenting now and what's to come. I'm sure you're not done with this. No, and that's that's a great question because now that we are able to source all this data using AI, as you said, and, and we're hosting it in the IBM cloud um, so we can process lots of data we have a team of data scientists and epidemiologists now looking at this data. So where can we take this data? Can we 
Can we do predictions of where this spread is going? Can we help employers know maybe when their trends are changing so they might consider bringing their employees back to work, which would be so important for those people that are out of work and for the economy. And so now, you know, we, we have the access to the data, which was really hard to get um, and, you know, very cumbersome. But now that we have it, there's just a, so much that science can do uh, in providing different insights uh, to people to help get through this. You know, let's mention again, the if you don't mind, let's mention the website again. And, and again, they can get to it through the Weather Channel or they can go directly to the link, right? Right. You can go weather.com slash coronavirus or weather.com on your browser, or you can download the Weather Channel app in the iTunes store or Google Play store. Now, one of the things I'm hoping for, I mean, this is just me, though, uh, is, you know, people are asking questions about, It's this is interesting, I'm talking to you about data and the weather at the same time. People are interested in whether will change of weather be a factor uh, or not. Um, and 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 just just to be really clear, the 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 court the jury is still out on that. And what I mean by that is that you know we we were not looking at frigid temperatures in uh, Wuhan in China. We were not right. looking at frigid temperatures. So we have perceptions of things. And people, right. by the way, are more plugged into the weather where they live as this magic bullet for things. But I think equally important is to know what's going on in your own backyard, because this is going to help us go to our legislators, our lawmakers, and say, hey, what's going on? Is this something I can do to help? Do you see what I'm saying, how important this is? It is really important, and you touched a little bit on the impact that weather may or may not yeah. have on the yeah. virus, and yeah. you're absolutely right. There, There's no empirical evidence at this time that weather um, will influence the spread or the decrease of the spread. We are certainly looking at it, and now that we have this data, um, we can look at it um, and, and see if that's the case. We do know in the case of flu or allergies that weather does play a role in the spread of those particular uh, illnesses, yep. but we haven't found that connection just yet. So, you know, people can't just think because the temperatures are going to start getting warmer that we're automatically going to get out of that. Um, you know, that, that would be a false um, sense of security. So I'm glad you brought up that topic, but we're certainly looking at it. Um, and if we do find that connection, um, you know, that that would be really great to keep everybody informed with that. Yeah, I have a friend that looks at that, um, not just from a weather point of view. They're, they're, they certainly don't look at weather, but they look at conditions, which temperature brings. And you nailed it, you know, because when you start to talk about temperature, like here, our temperature is changing. And so the reality is, if we look at weather as an I indicator, it would not make sense for for Washington state to have the kind of jump in numbers it has as our weather has been getting warmer. And I think with people, we have to be mindful of that. And that's why I love what you're doing. Because if people think that weather is going to keep this down and they start to take more risks, that will not work for us. So that's what I love about what you're doing because it helps all of us say, wait a minute, don't make up your own safety net, find out what's really happening, right? 
That's right. We have to just be very cautious. You know, there's every day we're learning more and more about the virus, but there's still so much that we don't know as epidemiologists and data scientists and doctors that, that we're learning. And so every day the story is certainly evolving. Yeah. So yeah, we definitely can't take our guard down just because we know that warmer weather's coming. Because like you said, people start going out, start socializing, um, you know, that, that spread can continue and, and that's what we're trying to avoid. Now, I know you're going to run, and I want to say this to folks. When they go to look, and, and I would love everybody to go look, but you're going to find either your county, your state, confirmed cases, the number of deaths, um, and they can look at that by state. They can look at it over a period of time because that's what you're presenting. The other thing I like about this is you can put in your best friend's zip code, for example, uh, like I did with my best friend, Linda, my producer who actually booked you and look at where they are. And, you know, this is really interesting, right? Not that it's not important for us to all be safe and our hearts, our hearts go out to all those that are suffering and that have lost their lives. But you nailed it. Watching this kind of information is what calls people to action. That's what you're that's helping right. people do. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We know as a weather company, it takes people about 30 times to hear a weather alert before they take action. So it's really important that this information is out there every single day. It's updated, very easy to consume and to use uh, so people can make the right decisions for their families. Look, one last question. Please give out the website. I'd love to know your personal message. I would love to know what you'd like to leave all of us with. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find all this information on weather.com slash coronavirus or on the Weather Channel app. And really, you know, it, it is about people helping people, right? And we've all are making pivots and making changes in our lives and in our you know, professions to help each other get through that. And I think we're much stronger when we work together um, that we can get through this crisis and we can get back to work and we can get back to doing the activities uh, that we love and certainly get back to, you know, being together as family and friends. It's hard definitely to be isolated. Yeah. And I want to just say the last thing I love about this, you don't just give us numbers, you give us trends. And what that means is you give us percentages of increases or decrease week to week, day to day. And I think that's so important. So thank you, uh, the Weather Channel, IBM. Thank you for stepping to the forefront of making sure that knowledge is power. Great. Thanks for having me on the show, Dr. Pat. Take yeah. care of yourself and stay right. healthy. Yeah, you too, please. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Listen while you work. Streaming live on any device. Tune in to the Transformation Radio Network. Visit transformationradio.fm. Coming to you live on transformationtalkradio.com is the brilliance ultimatum. Time's up with Claudette Rowley. Powerful conversations, practical innovations, and transformative solutions as Claudette and her guests delve into the possibilities and what she calls reality resistance. Join the cultural revolution and annihilate obstacles. Check it out at culturalbrilliance.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, look. This is one of these segments where when, just when you think you know something, you realize that there's so much more to learn. 
Jessica Long is joining me here today, Managing Director at Accenture Strategic uh, Strategy and co-author of a really cool book, The Circular Economy Handbook, Realizing the Circular Advantage. And you're going to hear a little bit about that, but mostly what you're going to hear about is what does this mean to be so engaged in a circular economy that we can't see it, we don't understand it, we don't know what that means. But the idea of moving from a linear model to a circular model is something that people have been talking about for a while. They just didn't call it that. Today, Jessica, thank you for joining us here today. It's a big conversation, isn't it? It is a big conversation, um, but as you said earlier, it's also a, a good news conversation. Yeah, uh, it is a good news conversation. When I think about a circular anything, there's this idea of movement. There's this idea of flow, right? There's this idea yeah. of some kind of activity, a beginning and an end, and then a repeat or a rebirth. What does the circular economy from your perspective look like? And you know, the model that we're talking about here today is very different than any form of linear conversation about this in the past. Don't you think it's very different, right? Very different. And I think it is worth um, understanding the linear economy. So yeah. a, a very basic way to understand it is um, for decades, we've adopted this linear take-make-waste approach to production and consumption, right? So we we take raw materials from the ground, we make products out of them, and then when we're done with them, we throw them away or turn them into waste. That's the very basic idea of a linear economy that we've had for decades. In a circular economy, products and resources are kept in use for as long as possible. And at the end of that use, those materials are taken back or turned into something else. So we go from this take-make-waste form of production and consumption to take, make, take, make, take, make, right? In a circular economy, you basically eliminate the whole concept of waste. Everything has a purpose and everything has value. You know, what I love about this is somebody was asking me uh, the other day about, you, you know, I happen to share a story that goes way back about one of the first let's just call it recycling programs back in 19, I think it was 86 or 87 back in New Jersey. And they asked me, you know, have we made progress? And, and I want to ask you about this. The progress that I see is the smallest things that are popping up now that we don't think about contributing to the circular economy, but they do. Everything from consignment shops to places you could go to buy things that were once used by another person. And we don't really see the value of that. But I'll tell you where I live now, it is almost a way of life here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely, I think, moved from becoming a niche um, one-off thing that people get involved with to being something that is a, a lifestyle. It's, it's a way of life. And maybe more importantly, it's a, a shift in your mindset. Right, shifting from this concept of take make waste to truly believing that nothing should be wasted, that everything has value. And if it doesn't have value, then we shouldn't have created it at all. Or we shouldn't have designed it that way. 
So there is a, a mindset shift, and I think we are seeing that shift take hold, especially with younger populations and more conscious populations. Yeah, I want to make sure, because I had the opportunity to take a sneak peek at your book, uh, but a lot of people have not. What is the best way for people to take a look and find out more about what we're talking about here today? Yeah, to find out more about Circular Economy or the book itself, you can just go to Accenture.com forward slash Circular Economy Handbook. Now, look, this is a conversation that it goes beyond Gee, I think this would be a great thing to know. This has to become a new way of life for us. I mean, we are really running out of options here. But the possibilities, I think, that you outline about the benefits that companies gain. Let's talk about this. You know, I love a good story that has both opportunity and overcoming obstacles. Give me both sides of that coin. Yeah, and first of all, to your, to your earlier point, uh, we have to make this change. There's a pretty dire need. Um, as you probably know and, and um, your, your listeners know, this month we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And right now we are using about 1.7 times the Earth's resources, meaning we are, we're essentially using twice as much of the Earth's resources than it can regenerate every year. And as demand grows, we're seeing a pretty significant negative environmental impact, right? We, we're seeing unprecedented flooding, fires, droughts, air pollution, and this massive loss of biodiversity. But to your point, there's also a good, good side to this story, which is I believe we have the knowledge and technology and solutions already today to feed a growing population, meet this increased energy demand, and improve our way of living all while protecting the planet. Um, and, and I think there are several good good examples of this. Um, there, if I look at fashion, for example, we, we all see yeah. Yeah. the challenges with fast fashion and we're all buying a lot of clothing and footwear. Well, we see companies like Patagonia and Nike both increasing the, the recycled content of their clothing, right? So using a significant amount of recycled materials in the clothing that you buy and then also working with consumers to take back goods and the, the goods, right, the, the apparel and the shoes, to either repair them or put them back into their supply chain. So, again, good for the consumer, good for the business, and, of course, good for the environment. You know, I ran into this myself recently. Uh, we're building soundproofing panels for our new studios, right? Yeah. We just built, moved into new yeah. audio and video studios, but we need some soundproofing. And uh, I went online, and of course, I'm building them myself. Well, why? Because I like using my hands. But here's what <laughs> I found denim. Denim is one of the yeah. best soundproofing materials. And, you know, I, I want to ask you this question. I think we've got to do more interviews like this. We've got to be talking more about what's available because not, not everybody goes online and Googles denim soundproofing, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I completely agree. I love that you're using denim for soundproofing. I haven't heard that one. I, I have cork in my house right now. But um, I think that's a great example of something having a new life, right? So not throw, instead of throwing that denim away, actually uh, almost upcycling it to become a, a soundproofing material. And to your point, I think it is all about understanding the different examples out there and becoming a more responsible consumer and becoming a more responsible business. And I say all of this also 
highlighting the economy part of circular economy, right? It's not just about doing good for the planet. It's also about doing good for your bottom line. We found that there's over $4.5 trillion, $4.5 trillion of economic value in moving from linear to circular economy just over the next 10 years. Forget it. Everybody benefits. Oh, my God. You know, oh, my God, I'm running out of time. But let me just I was part of a a panel a number of years back because we are launching our second version of our Green Talk channel. I've been part of what they call Green Movement, cleaning up the Hudson for gazillion years because I'm a little older than you. And I remember getting laughed and booed off stage. And this was at a green friendly event when I said. When I was asked, what do you think there's one thing that we should do immediately and have it be mandatory? And I said, solar. I said, every home that lives in a state where the sun shines, and which is a misnomer, by the way, because you can be in Seattle and get solar. But I said, every place, every home in Hawaii should have mandatory solar. And oh, my God, people are like, no, it's free. But, you know. Why are we taking so long to get on board, if I could ask you that, Jessica? Do we not see well, a sense of urgency? Well, I think there's the, the technical challenges, meaning okay. companies are trying to figure out how to really scale to get those economies of scale, especially around things like solar, even though now that's, that's working quite well. In my opinion, the hardest challenge is that of mindset, right? We're very used to a single-use, uh, linear, take-make-waste type of economy, um, and not thinking of, of waste. We don't think about where that waste goes. And we're not used to changing our mindset to thinking of everything having value. So if you can change that mindset and show businesses that this is good for their bottom line, then I think we're all going to win in this movement. I agree. I mean, anything on the headlines today that, you know, if you picked up the headlines today outside of you know, how people are really struggling with the virus. But one of the things you read is the price of oil. You know, the price of oil has gone down, demand has gone down. And what I love about where we are and how we are as humanity, we bring the best of us to any challenge in life. But this one you're talking about right now, this one to me is the one that I hope we haven't waited too long. Thank you for joining me. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? And what's the website again? I completely agree that we have not waited too long. Yeah. Everybody needs to get on board with this movement. It's, it's a huge imperative, but also something where we benefit, consumers benefit, companies benefit, and the planet benefits. To learn more, just go to Accenture.com forward slash Circular Economy Handbook. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, folks, if you've taken a look at the book and have read it or began to read it like I have, what you find is a wealth of information. But as I said before, there's lots of information on the website that Jessica just sent you to. Uh, Please check it out. Please learn and please become an active participant. Thank you, Jessica, for everything.